Today we're going to talk about something that's super irritating for a lot of people, and that is the individual, the child, and this is irritating for the child potentially too, and the individual engaging in this activity, and then those people around them. Um, and we hear it a lot, and people say it's irritating, so I'm not picking on them. This is something that is challenging. And that is somebody, an individual, a child, an adult, who engages in a lot of like auditory rehearsal, a lot of auditory tics, maybe they're humming, maybe they're making a lot of noises with their mouth, maybe they're smacking their lips, maybe they're actually having a, like a repetitive script that they have to say over and over and over. There's a really big spectrum of what this can look like. Maybe I've had a child who had to meow like a cat constantly, and when he would get stressed, he'd meow more, which we know why. Um, and so it could look like from the I'm humming, or I'm just making little noises, or I'm smacking my lips, or I'm having to like click my pen pen all the time, or make little noises, to you know I'm loudly yelling, screaming, scripting, repeating movie lines over and over, meowing like a cat, barking like a dog. Um, you know, it could we it's really like similar things on the same spectrum here. And so we have to understand what the heck's going on there. What are we seeing? What does it tell us about what what is that a window? How is that a window into the brain of this individual? So what we know about development is that as we move through development, we gain more sophisticated tools to process our world. Well, we know that auditory verbalization is one of those that's kind of towards the higher end of the hierarchy of development. And if we are not there yet in whole brain development, yet the world, the demand of our world in which we live, both academic, socially, environmentally, in all of these ways, is that we're there. You know, the demand is that we can process all of our environment from movement to tactile to olfaction to visual auditory, we can process all of this multimodal sensory input into it. It's coming into our brain. We can process it all. We can have an appropriate output. Well, let's just say that's the demand, and let's say we're not there yet. We're not super efficient on using our whole brain and processing in that way. Well, demand is there, and when the demand is really high, meaning the environment is really stressful, more stressful, and each of these scenarios, each of these people will have a different threshold for that, you know, the ability to take all of this in without having that kind of overflow or tipping point. Well, if we're not there yet, but one of our primary tools of processing is auditory verbal, we're almost there, but we're not there yet, but one of the primary tools I use to process my world is auditory uh, noises, verbalization, me making noises, what's going to happen is when the stress or the demand is too great, I'm going to reduce the complexity of my world to this thing, to this system that I can process better. I can more efficiently process and not only that, I want to control it because I don't process it super well with other people or unpredictable auditory input right? That's a higher level of processing. If it's unpredictable, meaning noise is not made by me, but things that are being, noises that are being made outside of me, um, that is a higher level of auditory processing than if I'm controlling the auditory input and making my own noises. So what you're going to see or what you can see is that what will happen is demand is high, 
stress is high, I'm unable to meet that demand to process my world in this way, and if one of my primary tools is auditory verbal, but I'm not super right there yet with processing it super efficiently, what you may see is the need to control my auditory environment myself, meaning I'm going to reduce the complexity of my world to noises that I can control. And I'm not saying consciously like they, like an individual would tell you this. Maybe, maybe some people would. Um, it depends on, you know, where they are and where they are in development and awareness. Um, but what you'll find is maybe this is the I'm going to make, I'm going to hum. Stress is higher. I'm, you're, I'm going to notice that a child, you're going to see more of this deflective behavior need to reduce the complexity and I'm going to hum. I'm going to, I'm going to see the cat noises increase. I'm going to see the scripting increase. So seeing that deflection, the need to reduce the, the, the processing of the world decrease into this script or this noise or this tick, this auditory environment, this auditory stimulus created by themselves, that's a window into a brain of an individual that is heightened stress. So what you'll find is individuals that do that, you'll see it increase in times of stress. So that can be your window into they're stressed right now. They're more stressed. They're having trouble processing their world. That's a really good window into the brain. This can also look like somebody who's just a little more sophisticated, a little more efficient at processing auditory input, somebody who is okay with auditory input that's outside of self. They may actually really love putting headphones on and listening to music. Again, they're still controlling it because they're picking the music, right? Um, but they do better when the times of stress, they do better when they listen to the music or listen to music in their car or they become hyperverbal. They talk a lot. In times of stress, I have to really talk things through. That's a window into a person that needs to control and process through their auditory environment uh, because they're not there yet. They're unable, at, and this can be a moving target, they're unable to meet the needs or the, meet the demand of the world so they reduce the complexity of that into this auditory world. You know, we can we see that in other examples in the movement world, and you may see some of these mixed. Most likely, it's not just one or the other, um, but this is an example of what you may see in the auditory environment. Same thing with an individual, a, a child, let's say, or adult who, you know, does is really loud. They create a lot of auditory uh, noise. They create a lot of noise in their world. They're loud. They maybe have loud ticks, they make a lot of noises, they have to talk a lot, they, you know, they have a lot of, they create a lot of um, auditory environment for everybody else, um, or stimulus for everybody else, but when somebody else, they go into a noisy restaurant, or the AC kicks on, they're really sensitive to it, they go into a noisy restaurant, it really stresses them out, they like noise-canceling headphones to reduce the complexity of the outside noises, and then they engage more in their own auditory um, noises. So all of that to say, there's a reason for behavior. If you see an individual increasing their tics, their auditory tics, their need to make noises, they have to engage in a lot of creating their own auditory environment. That's a window into a brain that, hey, we're not quite there yet in whole brain development. I'm struggling to process this, this 
this very rich sensory environment and so it's a window into a brain that the demand is a little too high and again you can watch this ebb and flow so use it as a window into the brain of how this individual is doing and understand it and then you can create some strategies for advocating for them on a parenting and mentoring and even practitioner side while we're working on getting them more efficient so that they can process their world in, in a more uh, and meet the demand of the sensory rich environment we live in.